1: Afterlife Research and Education than in our whole more than decade-long history of Seek Reality, this is surprisingly only our second visit with someone who is a prominent and respected second-generation afterlife researcher. His father, as well as Mark himself, have both played prominent roles in the field of afterlife research. Mark Ireland is the co-founder of Helping Parents Heal, which is an organization with more than, two, I can't believe this, 26,000 members now. I remember when they started. It assists bereaved parents worldwide. Mark has participated in mediumship research studies conducted by the University of Arizona, the University of Virginia, and he currently operates a medium certification program. He's the author of Soul Shift And The Persistence of the Soul, and he's the son of a prominent 20th century psychic medium, Richard Ireland. Mark was our guest just once. I can't believe we only had him on once, close to a decade ago now. But we're delighted to have him back with us again for the reissue of The Persistence of the Soul. Mark, welcome. I remember when Helping Parents Heal was founded and I I thought it was such a great idea and the people involved were so classy about it they did everything right because I mean the hardest thing really people can go through is the loss of a child and they handled it all so sensitively the people involved as I say were so classy and and uh, you know you were right there at the start
0: Yeah, it's interesting how it all came together, but if I go back to late 2009, early 2010, I was doing a workshop um, with a medium friend, Jamie Clark, and during a break, and I was promoting my first book, Soul Shift, at the time. During a break, uh, a woman came up to me. Her name was Suzanne Wilson. You might know of her. She's a medium, and she said that she had just moved from Florida to Arizona, and she came to that event to uh, meet like-minded people. And then when she l- learned about my son Brandon's unexpected passing while climbing the McDowell Mountains in Scottsdale, Arizona, she brought up the fact that she recently met another mother whose son had passed on a mountain as well, albeit the Himalayas, a little bit bigger range. Um, yes. But uh, her name is Elizabeth Boyson. So I I gave her a copy of my book and my contact info. I said, why don't you give this to the mom and and maybe it'll help her. Um, it was only a day or two later. I got a call from Elizabeth. She said, "Hey, I read your book in one sitting. One sitting. Uh, I loved it. I want to meet you and your wife." And a short time later, she and I uh, met with my wife Susie. We chatted, and and then Elizabeth told me she had founded a uh, a Facebook group for bereaved parents. It was called Parents United in Loss. And she said she was about to have her first ever in-person meeting and wanted me to be the inaugural speaker. So I said, sure, I'll do that. So um, a week or two later, we got together and we had maybe 30 or 40 people there. It went well. Then she started having these meetings on a monthly basis, and I'd come to them when I could. Then in 2011, I was leaving a corporate job trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. And another medium friend, Tina Powers, uh, said to me, Mark, I think your real mission in life is to help other parents who have been through the same thing as you and you might want to consider starting an organization. So then I thought, you know, um, why reinvent the wheel? Elizabeth has a good format here for running group meetings, but she doesn't have a website or a newsletter and she's only one location. So I called her and I said, hey, would you want to partner with me? You know, I'll help you set up a website. We'll put a newsletter out and then um, maybe we can blueprint what you do in your meetings and we'll get other affiliates to pop up in other locations. And Lo and behold, she's like, yeah. And I said, maybe we could change the name to something like Helping Parents Heal. And she says, I love that name. So that's how it started. And the initial board was comprised of people that were coming to that first meeting, a handful of them that were interested enough to carry on. And like you said, today we have 26,000 members, 165 affiliates worldwide. And we have a conference every other year uh, in Phoenix this time. Uh, It was last time as well. Um, In August 24, we'll have it and we'll have a thousand people there attending.
1: I think it's just great. What I remember about it, and I've been to, I think I went to a couple of their inaugural meetings, but what I remember about it when I first saw what they were doing was how sensitive they were to the fact that all these parents were healing differently They all needed to be handled differently, handled sensitively. Everybody has a different story. And um, everybody else expects parents to kind of get over it. You know, but you don't really get over it.
0: I think... um the reason we even exist and we've flourished is because we're the only group of our type that allows the open discussion of spiritual experiences and afterlife evidence. And that's one of the key healing factors, not the only one. We're not saying to replace therapy with that, but in addition to therapy, in addition to meeting other people who have been through the same thing um, and getting support in other ways and some other things as well, you know, we think it's a huge differentiator. And as an example at our last conference in 2022, we had 900 people and the the hotel that hosted it, the employees were worried. They were afraid it was going to be a real downer. Oh, all these bereaved yes. parents. And by the time we left, they were like, you were the best group we ever had. We couldn't believe how upbeat the energy was. And yes. really that was a product of having all those folks together, making new friends who could relate to them. And also hearing the talks of many people who, uh, whether they were top, whether they were near death experience people, um, like Dr. Mary Neal, or whether they were mediums that were giving evidential, me- showing, demonstrating evidential mediumship or all these different things. And then the other thing was, our group is largely comprised of women because in general terms, men tend to hide their emotions and don't wanna talk and don't wanna engage. But at that conference, a lot of the women brought their husbands or boyfriends with them. So those guys were exposed to this and that healing that took place in them. And that kind of became a catalyst for another subgroup we have called Helping Father's Heal, which took a long time to really get going, but now it's really steaming along, so I think that's another important aspect of the of the group's mission,
1: yeah, very important, very important indeed but but um no, i I think it's just a wonderful thing because if people are not allowed to do it their own way. And if people are not allowed to explore the possibilities of life after death, for example, or ask what some might consider are impermissible questions, it's harder for them to heal. Yeah. You know, what's impermissible?
0: Hope. I call it the hope element, you know? Yeah. And, you know, Absolutely. If, if people just think we're just a, you know, um, biological robot And there's really no meaning to anything. And then when when you're gone, you're gone. And the brain equals mind. That's a pretty gloomy, nihilistic perspective to take. So um, if you really look at the evidence and a lot of people's personal experiences, there's there's something to be explored. There's something to give people hope for sure. And it comes in a variety of ways. Um, You know, like I said, near-death experience phenomena, mediumship, after-death communications, dream visits, um, all kinds of things.
1: No, I absolutely right. It's quite, it's, I think you all do it just right, which is, which is very, um, if you didn't exist, we'd have to invent you. Basically. I
0: have to give credit to uh, Elizabeth Boyson and Irene Vuvalides because they're really the backbone of the organization. They do it. They do it every day, every week, all year round, um, it's gotten to the point where we really need them to consider delegating because they're just, they're working crazy hours doing this, but it's their personal touch. They have a desire to really have an individual personal touch to the folks who are in need. And, and it works really, really well. Um, so I'm glad that we've gotten to the point we are, and we're helping as many people as we are helping.
1: Yeah, no, that's a wonderful thing. So what what is it that you do? You say you're still working?
0: Yeah, I work full time. I'm in a field of uh, visual merchandising for retailers. Um, Nike, in particular, is my client, uh, but that's what pays my bills. I'll probably work for another year or two, something like that. But you know, in addition, I'm I'm writing the books. Um, I'm board chairman of the board for Helping Parents Heal, and so that's more a directional type position for the overarching you know direction where we're going um i do music too as evidenced by these guitars back here so oh, okay.
1: i <laughs> oh, So why they're there i thought that was your cheering section It wasn't sure uh, no
0: i <laughs> i write songs in fact i've got a spiritual song that i've shared with other people they really like called what you can't see and it's really all around consciousness and some of the stuff we're talking about uh. but if anyone wants to check it out when they go to my website there's a link on there for mark ireland's music and you can check that out for free i mean it's on spotify and apple and all those too
1: um mention your website and we'll put it at, we're sure. going to put it at the bottom of your uh, of the materials
0: it's markirelandauthor.com mark with a k ireland like country author markirelandauthor.com and on no, there
1: no punctuation
0: see, yeah no no punctuation and you'll find once you get there you'll find a link to helping parent seal you'll find a link to my certified medium website for anyone who's looking for a vetted resource Uh, You'll find uh, a link to my dad's site and videos of him. Actually, there's one of him on the Steve Allen show in 1971 that's pretty compelling and a lot of other stuff, too.
1: Oh, Steve Allen. Wow. So it's uh, when was he active? What were his active years?
0: My dad or Steve Allen?
1: (laughs) No, Well, Steve Allen is quite vintage. But when was your father working?
0: So my dad, I would say his heyday was from the From the mid 50s through the mid 80s, primarily, I'd say that the the high point was probably um, the 70s in general. Um, He when when he was born, he was born cross eyed. And at the age of five, he went into the Columbus, Ohio Children's Hospital for corrective surgery on his eyes. After the surgery, they had his eyes cupped and bandaged and they actually strapped him down to a bed because they didn't want him to mess with the bandages. A nurse came by and felt sorry for him, and uh, he asked if he could be released, and she said, okay, but you have to promise not to touch the bandages. He he agreed. She went on about a rounds, came back to catch him, throwing a ball against the wall and catching it, and she thought he'd taken the bandages off, but he hadn't. So she thought this was rather bizarre, so she pulled in these doctors, and they observed it, and then they did their own tests on him like, Um, voice throwing one, they put him in a bed and then had one doctor at the foot of the bed and another at the doorway and asking who's in front of you now. And he got it right all the time. So that was kind of the first sign that my dad was different as a child. He did his first public demonstration at the age of 13 in a spiritualist church in a circle. And then um, he was ordained initially as NSAC um, minister. And then he was like a traveling minister throughout the spiritualist churches around the U.S. for a number of years. Then he had his own assignments after that, starting in, I think it was 1956 in Leroy, Illinois, and then 1960 in Norfolk, Virginia. They, I was born in Phoenix. Uh, they wanted to settle in Phoenix, but he initially couldn't find an opportunity there. But eventually he set up his own church in 1960 called the University of Life, which was a non-denominational, or he called it interdenominational church, because he believed in the golden strand of truth through all religions but it was more it was a place where you know the the miracle stories are kind of shown and demonstrated as opposed to just talk about as some relic of the past um in terms of you know the phenomena the mediumship phenomena psychic phenomena and these and healing and, and those kinds of things, but he also demonstrated in secular venues after that I think he really wanted to branch out and not just be restricted because he wanted to touch hearts and open minds in all kinds of places. And he knew there are many people who had never set foot in a church, no matter how progressive the church is. So some of these demonstrations were on TV shows or um, groups of different sorts and even nightclubs. Um, and so over the years, I've had a lot of phenomenal stories from people who went to see him and came back and how he touched their lives in different ways. But uh, yeah, that was kind of his heyday. And he, He ended up um, in the Hollywood circles because in 1952, he was introduced to Mae West by a a Reverend Jack Kelly.
1: Mae West, really? Yeah,
0: Jack (laughs) Kelly was uh, Mae West's personal psychic advisor, whatever you want to call that. And then he passed, and then my dad met her when he was working in L.A. one time. And she invited him to come over and, and visit, and they caught up. And then he started doing demonstrations at her house for her friends and things. And through that, you know, he met, um, like Amanda Blake, I think, uh, David Jansen, Glenn Ford. Now those are names from the past, but you and I know them maybe younger people listening wouldn't know those, but those are pretty big names of the day. Right. He was on the Bruce Griffin show. He was on Diana shore. He was on Steve Allen show. And that's the one where I have clips of, but I got to meet Mae West when I was 19, which was pretty cool. Um, I got to yeah, tour wow. apartment. It was 1978. And, uh, it looked like inside our apartment was still 1928
1: or 1929. Right, right. Oh, very vintage. So, and his name was was Richard Ireland,
0: and yes. he was
1: just a natural. Yeah, psychic medium.
0: He was phenomenal. Uh, I think you know the bigger names from that era were Eileen Garrett. She's got a great reputation. Arthur Ford was a big name, um, but you know there's other people that had bigger names than him who really didn't have his level of ability. He was regionally well-known, but not well-known worldwide, and I don't really know the reason for that, but here I am preserving his legacy and sharing some of the stuff that he passed along. You know, one interesting thing, um, I have to kind of go back to a couple weeks after my son, three weeks after my son passed, I was watching the local news in Phoenix, the NBC affiliate, and at the time they were showing some research being done at the University of Arizona testing mediums under blinded conditions. And the medium in this particular experiment was Allison Dubois before the show Medium came out. And um, she was giving a lot of very specific information to these people she couldn't see or talk to directly. She was being asked questions by a researcher. And then at the MAD brief with the sitters and the, the sitters, you know, confirmed virtually everything she said. I was really impressed. And I thought, wow, I'd love to get a reading from her. And I'd love to be in that lab someday. And I didn't know this at the time, but that both were going to happen. And in fact, the very next day I got a call from a man named Jerry Concer who had been friends with my father. He lived in Dallas, Texas. So he didn't even know about that news clip. And he's like, uh, hey Mark, I know what you've been through and I know someone might be able to help you. Her name's Allison Dubois and here's a phone number you can call for a reading. So I thought that was rather synchronistic and probably my dad helping from the other side because he had been gone by that time. It was eight months later because she, even then, even though Medium hadn't come out on NBC, She was already had a big following because she was very good. Um, And when I saw her two weeks before I saw her, there was a gentleman that gave me a box. And inside the box were all these eight and a half by 11 type pages. It was a manuscript called Your Psychic Potential, A Guide to Psychic Development by Richard Ireland, dated 1973. I'm like, where did you get this? He goes, well, your dad gave it to me for safekeeping before he passed because um, you were out of state at the time. And I'm like, well, why are you giving this to me now? He passed 12 years ago. And he goes, I don't know. I just feel like I'm supposed to. Two weeks later, I have the reading with Allison. And one of the first things she says to me is, hey, Mark, I know what she says. Um, I, I have your father here, I believe. I believe it's your father. And he's showing me a book. But he's handing it to you for you to take forward. Does that mean anything to you? And I'm like, yeah, I think I get that. And I subsequently had that book published. So that's one of the ways I've been able to help preserve my father's legacy and kind of an interesting twist.
1: Wow. Wow. Amazing. Gives you shivers. So, so um, do you, when, when did you first realize that you had the family gift?
0: Well, I've never really focused on being like my dad. I've never been a practicing psychic or medium. My experiences have been more sporadic. Um, I had, I'd say I had a pretty compelling one at the age of 18, but it was actually through a dream. Um, I was dating a girl at the time and I had a dream that she is dating another guy, and it made me jealous. So the next day I said to her, I said, Hey, I had this weird dream about you last night. She says, Well, tell me about it. And I said, Nah, it was just a dream. And she says, No, please tell me. I'm like, Well, I Thought you were dating this other guy. He looked like this tall, this hair color, this weight, and his name was Bob Dooley. And she says, I actually dated a guy named Bob Dooley when I lived in Kansas, and he looked exactly like
1: that. So that
0: was pretty crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Then I had other sporadic things happen. But most recently, I'd say that the one that was most compelling, for a three-year stint, I was invited to do a talk at the Golden Gate Spiritualist Church in San Francisco, now, this church was founded in 1924 by a woman named Florence Becker, who I had been told was very similar to my dad and her abilities. She passed in 1970, I think it was. So I would go there and do a talk. I'd bring a medium friend, Tina Powers, and she would give readings to the congregation. But Tina insisted that this time I was going to get a message to share with the congregation. She asked if I would share it, and I said, Sure. She kept hounding me about this over and over. Even the day we walked into the church, she was like, Mark, if you get a message, do you promise to share it? And I'm like, yes, I'll share it, Tina. So um, we got there about 30 minutes before I was to talk. And then I got up and I, um, I'm sorry, I went in their healing room before my talk just to kind of quiet my mind and meditate a little. And while I was sitting there on the bench to a piano or organ, a name popped in, Max. And then right after that, Maxine, I thought, oh, maybe it's Maxine, not Max. But I didn't hear that name, and I didn't see the name. It came like an idea or just um, a thought would pop in, you know. And so I did my talk, and I finished. And then at the end, I said, well, Tina made me promise if I got anything, I'd share it with the congregation. And I have to ask, do the names Max or Maxine mean anything to anyone here? And the church pastor's jaw dropped, and he's like, well, Max and Maxine were twins born to the church founder, Florence Becker, They were delivered stillborn, and they grew up in spirit. Um, And he says, only a few longtime church board members even know that. It's a secret. And then afterwards, he took me upstairs and showed me a painting that I believe Florence Becker, the church founder, had painted herself. It was a landscape painting with a long running road. He says, see those two little figures at the end of the road? That's Max and Maxine. So that was pretty crazy. But it's not like something that I have had happen all the time. It's not something I focused on doing. I think there's a number of reasons for that. One is because um, dealing with grieving people is a big responsibility. So I'd have to be extremely confident that I could do a, a good job and yes. provide a high quality experience for people. Um, it's just a lot of responsibility. And then I think the other is I'm just at a point in my life where I'm ready to switch gears and you know I'm still in the working world. I'm writing books from a more of a journalistic observer perspective, kind of as an explorer, an investigator. The minute I say, okay, now I'm a medium, you kind of wash all that away. You can't do that anymore, you know? It's <laughs>
1: very hard, yep. Yeah, I I can't uh, imagine taking the responsibility of being a medium. I really can't. People I have known who who practice mediumship, uh found that it took so much out of them to do it. Um literal. But I mean physical energy, life yeah. energy.
0: No, I think the I think it does draw from your life force to do it. There's a there is an energy exchange that takes place and unless you're good at re, recharging your batteries, and I think a lot of them have their own methodologies for that. You know, I remember Alison Dubois telling me that hers was Epsom salt baths, you know but you have to take care of yourself too. You have to eat well and stay hydrated and exercise and all those kinds of things too, because um, I think for some of them, it is training. And when I've done it, like I've done test ones, just to test my ability with some friends before. And I found afterward I was tired. It was just kind of wacky how it did kind of wear me down a bit. Um, But yeah, that's kind of the reason. And that's part of the reason too, that I started that certification program because after my first book came out, I was, just barraged by people asking for references like, who should I see? And back at that time, I knew like half a dozen, but most of them were, you know, celebrity mediums and they had long wait lists and or they charged a lot more than some people wanted to pay. So I thought, you know, there have to be other people out there that have this ability at high level, but they're just lesser known or undiscovered. So um, that's why I put that program together to really vet them under under a testing process to where I could say, hey, look. There's never a guarantee you're going to get a good reading, but this really increases your odds. If you go with somebody who's been gone through a gauntlet and and passed, then, you know, you have a lot better chance.
1: So do you recommend people? Do you have a list of people you recommend?
0: Yeah, that's actually on. There's a link to that on my website. And what I've done, at, it's been 10 years since I started actually it was spring of 2014, so almost 10 years ago I started it and uh, i developed the protocols after talking to dr emily williams kelly at the university of virginia division of perceptual studies they're the arm of the VUVA that was founded by dr ian stevenson who did all the re- reincarnation research that's now carried on today by jim tucker dr jim tucker and then dr bruce grayson was more the near-death experience expert and then dr emily williams kelly um yes. married to edward kelly dr edward kelly who's a consciousness uh, he's a neuroscientist but she was doing some of the mediumship research. I don't think they've done a lot of it, but a little bit. And so I was a sitter in one of her programs and then I learned more about her methodology. And then another f- friend of mine who's been a researcher is uh Tricia Robertson with the Scottish Society of Psychical Research. And Tricia helped me kind of look at the protocols, refine them and develop a process. Um, so yeah, we, I, what I do is really test people. They have five blind readings via Zoom with no video um, and they're only given the first name of the sitter at the time the reading starts. Um, and then basically the reading's recorded and then the sitter has to transcribe it and break it into individual statements that can be graded as correct, incorrect, or indeterminable. Indeterminable might be like a future prediction that hasn't happened or maybe yeah. like a piece of information they can't find the answer to for some reason. Um, and then they can also, or both, bonus points if something's really compelling, like say if the medium said, um, okay, I believe you have a son that passed uh, and his, I think his name started with an A and he's showing me pizza. Well, let's just say that the kid's name, the, the, the son had passed. Okay. That's correct. And the A name, maybe the name was Aaron. Okay. That's good. And I'll give you a two point bonus for that. Cause you got the first initial and pizza was actually his favorite foods. So I'll give you a two point bonus for that. But wow. let's just say that the medium says, okay, I believe I have your son that passed. I think his name was Aaron, and pizza with uh, pepperoni and black olives was his favorite food. Wow. Uh, yeah, correct. Son passed. His name was Aaron. I'll give you a five-point bonus for that. So there's two levels of bonuses, two point for something somewhat significant, five points for something that's kind of mind-blowing or very accurate. Yeah. Wow, great. And pizza, that was his exact favorite food, so I'm giving you a five-point bonus. So that's kind of how it works. Yeah. Um, And then, so we chalk up all the correct and incorrect. Um, We set the indeterminables on the side because we really can't grade them. However, if a medium exceeds 33% indeterminables, we're not calling that a good reading. So anything over that, we're calling incorrect. So the medium's got to have at least a minimum 65% accurate to pass and a total point count of 75. So the 65% would equal 65 points. And then for somebody to just barely eat by, they have to have that plus two of the five-point bonuses uh, or five of the two-point bonuses to, to pass. I'd say, you know, um, I've had probably uh, out of the 41 people that have passed, I've got probably 10 of them that have scored in the 90s.
1: Wow. That's really good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that they clearly have the gift. There's a way right. around that.
0: Yep. Yeah. And if you think about it too, there's a lot of mediums that could do, do a good job, but under that kind of pressure, they don't do as well or they kind of fold up, whether it's they're overanalyzing or they're just so worried about the result that under other circumstances, they might do well. But in that, you know, with that gauntlet to clear, they, it's too hard for them. Um, and even the ones that passed here, you know, maybe they scored an 80 or something where if they weren't under that pressure, they'd probably score a 90 or 95 because the ones that they would do it and then they'd be like after one reading, uh, Mark, this is just so hard. And I'm like, look, you're getting in your own way. You just need to do your job and just let them share what you get. Yes, and don't worry about results. Flow. If you start sure. worrying about results, it's not going to work. So so my point here is that the people that passed that with all the, the stringent requirements in place, you know, that's really saying something.
1: Uh, my experience with mediums it has not been good. Uh, my personal experience, and I think it's because I am skeptical. It's and I tell people that I say just going with an open mind, because you can block the 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 gift for people if you're, just, if you're skeptical.
0: One of the things I put in the book is like really how you can do a good job as a sitter. If you want a good session, there's several factors that to keep in mind. The first one is you have to find a good medium. You have to go to somebody that that's good. Yes. Um, and I can give you a couple after we're off the air, too, to uh, share if you want to try somebody. That would some be great. Most-
1: I'll put them on my website because, frankly, <laughs> I am terrible with mediums.
0: Well, two of these are phenomenal, and I do not they're overbooked anyhow. But if you yeah. wanted to go to somebody who's the closest thing to a sure bet, I'll share them with you offline. <laughs> but, yeah. but they're super busy. But um, So the first one yeah. is you have to get somebody who's good. Number two, you want to be friendly and have a positive energy, and you want to have an exchange, but you don't want to give away information. It's that's fine right. to confirm, like, yes, that's correct or no, but don't elaborate. Like, oh, yes, my son died on this date, and he had this yes. condition.
1: Yes, and just yes. shut
0: up. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: right. You know, just shut you up. Have it's to let very true. earn it,
0: And the good ones will earn it, and they'll get there. And that's when it's compelling. When you get that kind of evidence on your own, right. Um, that's unsolicited it's it's really something Did you, like you read the first part of my book the persistence of the soul and the example I give with Deborah Martin and that case where my friend Linda in Sacramento her brother had died in a motorcycle accident yes I knew nothing about him and I went to see her that day for something else entirely and she gave me all this information that I didn't know to be correct and later confirmed that it was that kind of uh, job is just I mean that's that's as good as it gets, really.
1: I have had good readings and I know what I know what you mean. It really yeah. is so validating. Um, I don't need it because I independently know that the, that the afterlife is real and yeah. but the people who don't and have lost someone they love to get that kind of validation is so wonderful. you know to have a child pass, and then to get a message that you know is from that child, there is no greater gift.
0: And, and equally compelling or anything you get directly, because I've had direct things, too.
1: Yes. My yes. wife had a
0: phenomenal ADC. I think my first experience was actually a couple of days after Brandon passed. I went into a darkened room of my walk-in closet. I had the light off, shut the door, and just quieted my mind and asked if I could have a connection with him. And within a reasonable period of time, I saw his face scroll by my mind's eye, smiling and glowing, and I felt joyful. And that really lifted my heart. But then there was another symbol that followed right after that, that I didn't know what it meant. It was a cross with an oval loop at the top. I'd seen people have those or wear them, but I didn't know what they meant. So then me being more analytical, I had to go Google it. And I looked it up. It was the Ankh, which is the oldest cross of human history dating back maybe 5,000 years to the ancient Egyptians, Egyptians, with a lower portion symbolizing physical life and the oval loop representing eternal life. So I felt I got a coded message that my son is joyful and he's in eternal life. Yeah, i already known what that symbol meant. I could have said, well, my subconscious mind was just trying to make me feel better, but I didn't know what it meant, so I had to go research it. So that was more Mm -hmm. compelling to me to get that kind of a message.
1: Oh, my. Of course. How beautiful. And there are all kinds of symbols they can give you rainbows and birds and beautiful, you know, all kinds of spontaneous symbols that very frequently people who have passed can give.
0: One of our friends was seeing uh, a woman who was both a therapist and a medium named Melinda Vale in Phoenix. She's very good. But he was actually there for a therapy session for some other reason entirely. And in the middle, she broke in she goes, I'm sorry to stop what we're talking about, but Brandon just came in and he told me, asked me for you to share a message with his mom, which is hummingbirds and butterflies. Now that sounds mm-hmm. kind of cliche, you know? But yeah. so later, he, Joe, our friend, calls Susie and says, uh, I don't know what this is about, but Melinda Vale said to share with you hummingbirds and butterflies. Well, she she noted that just on her recent walks, There were just tons of butterflies everywhere in her walk. She really made a comment about it. And hummingbirds had been around. And she had recently been watering a plant. And a hummingbird came up and drank water right out of the hose. But the coup de grace was, as they were on the phone discussing this, a hummingbird came to the glass door and was banging on it.
1: Oh, wow. I love it. I love it. I just, said you can't, and nothing's better than that. I love that. And people say, how does that happen? Well, our our dead loved one can influence the mind of the hummingbird. They ask permission, and the hummingbird gets pleasure from granting the permission, and therefore it does grant the permission.
0: Yeah, and signs and synchronicities, you know. Yeah,
1: absolutely. One of the craziest that
0: I had was um, on the 10th anniversary of Brandon's passing. Let's see if I can show this, If it'll even show up. It was the 10th anniversary of his passing, and I went out to lunch from work. Um, I His nickname was BBD, and the reason for that was he had – we had uh, we wanted to name, name him Brandon Blake, but we had three Donalds in the family, so we had to throw back – so he had two middle names, Brandon, Blake, Donald, and that just became BBD over time. And remember, that was at 10 years uh, that he had passed – so on that 10th anniversary, I was out to lunch, walking through a parking lot, and I stumbled upon this. I don't know if you can see this or not.
1: BBD. <laughs> oh, right. look what else is there? Oh, 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 one, oh. oh look at that.
0: BBD 10. That's the 10th anniversary.
1: Perfect. Yes. It wasn't just
0: his initials. It was the, the timing had been gone as well.
1: Of course.
0: What are my odds against? You know, what are the odds against chance of that happening and me seeing and even if there was such a? Managed to object.
1: make that appear right there.
0: Yeah, I think oh. it speaks to the, the difference between this realm of existence and the next one, um, where you know maybe there's really our concept of time isn't really reality. That's, it. That's exactly yeah. right. Time and space are not, not the same properties on the other side. Yes.
1: Yes. Yes. Exactly right we, <laughs> so amazing yeah. yeah we we have um my Mike, Mikey our our dear friend who does a lot of of sort of tricks for our our listeners um has told us that the reason they can make do all those tricks with uh, with license plates and things is that their realm is timeless, ours is not, so that they can make things show up for us mm-hmm. here by manipulating time there that's the only it. rational that sense I can make. Of it. Anyway.
0: yeah that, that's the only thing that makes sense to me really i don't think that like that that license plate just manifested <laughs> in that spot you know it was out there and it was just coordinated so that that driver was there at that time and i happened to that's notice it
1: thing yeah of course and he right they direct your attention to it. It's, i love it it's so great Oh, my goodness. Can you believe we almost run out of time here?
0: Well, you said you're going to have me back on, so we'll save some discussion points. Oh, the yeah, we'll time. have a
1: lot more time to talk, but I just can't believe we've just we've just chattered our way through a whole almost an hour. What do you want people to take away from our conversation today? Which we've talked about so many things, but what do you want people to take away from what we're saying?
0: I guess the, the main thing is just to be... To live a happy, hopeful life, Um, and if you encounter grief, that, you know, there is more than what we see here in this physical realm, Um, and the mind is more than the brain, Uh, we do carry on after we pass, so if you're grieving the loss of someone, don't give up hope, Um, know that they still exist, and your relationship doesn't necessarily have to end, it's just going to be different, whether that's your child, your spouse, or somebody else, and um, I think we're here for a purpose, for me, I think it's for the refinement of our soul and the development of our soul over time, because there's experiences here that maybe you, you aren't confronted with on the other side, because we have pain and suffering and challenges here. And it challenges our character too, to do the right thing and to treat people well and not just be selfish and do what we want. Um, And maybe if those challenges don't exist on the other side, like maybe there's no hunger and there's no physical pain and things like that. It, it, It stretches us and molds us. So, um, you know, hang in there, get through this life, work through it and look for the moments of joy in it. And for those who are suffering, you know, from somebody's passing, you can experience joy going forward. It just takes time. It takes healing to get there. And it takes hopefulness, too.
1: It takes hopefulness. And you absolutely 100 percent, without any doubt whatsoever, will see, will love, will hug that person again there is no doubt whatsoever at all that child is going to grow up there to a young adult but they watch over us they love us they take care of us and and look after us and then they 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 call us mom they call us dad and they they just love us so much and they wait for us and there they are and it's like no time has passed at all before they see us again and knowing that, um, it's you know all the time that has passed is like a half a minute. And when we know that, where is the sadness? It really is a kind of joy to know that they're it's, going to be waiting for us, and we don't. It's we like we're actors on a
0: stage here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's just, it's just all joy. It's all a kind of joy. And we will have grown, and they will have grown, and everybody has got a lot of, a lot of stories to tell because they'll have traveled all over the universe and beyond. It's just going to be so much fun. I look forward to, some wonderful reunions, all beautiful. You are such a great guest. Well, I, thank I, you. I, told, <laughs> I told Mark he was going to have to do most of the talking. He said, "Oh, don't worry about that." And he, he did. Thank I've you. Got so plenty good. of stories. No problem. And next time you're on, you're going to have to play one of those guitars. It's sort of like the rifle over the over the fireplace, oh. right? You can't have a rifle over the fireplace unless you're going to shoot it during I don't during some a, part of the. Program. Better a
0: guitar than a rifle.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the guitar is a much better idea. Well, if you want
0: I to hear say. some of the mu- the music I did in the studio, just go to my website again and look on the right side on on one of the pages. It'll say Mark's music or Mark Iron's music. You can check it out. I think it's track four is the one called What You Can't See. You'll love the lyrics. I shared it with um, uh, uh, Dr. Evan Alexander, and he says, I love the song. I love those lyrics. So it turned out it exactly reflected his view about consciousness, you know, after his near-death experience.
1: Yeah, well, there's near-death experiences, and then there's the experiences a little harder to have happen to us when people that we love kind of make it all the way. Yeah. And uh but still, you know, we we grow, they grow and we have those wonderful reunions we're going to look forward to. Yeah. And it really doesn't take long and then we're all together again. Beautiful beautiful reunions. My dear, you are such a wonderful guest. Consider yourself hugged and I'm looking forward to having you back again soon. We'll talk about hey,
0: you. You enjoy the rest of your week.
1: You too, dear. Well, this has been fun. So, all right. Well, once again, we've come to the end of our time. I can't believe how, how quickly all of these, all of these programs pass. I just enjoy doing them so much because I love the people I get to meet just because I get to share these episodes with you. And I've been so happy that you, you've been with us today. Please, though, never forget that you are a powerful, eternal being. You never began. You never will end. And when you get all the implications of that fact that you are a powerful, eternal being, my goodness, it changes everything. Your life goes from being a tragedy, you know, life sucks, then you die, into being a comedy because you and everybody you know and everybody you love lives forever forever. And next week, we have another wonderful guest coming. Peter Wright will be with us for the 19th time. Peter is a wonderful friend of ours, and especially of some of our our guests, because they have shared with Peter their problems, including some that were scary that they told me about too. And Peter is a past life regression therapist who's been with us almost since our beginning. He's based in Santa Barbara, California. I visited him out there myself, and I tried to use his services, but as you know, my Thomas is, well, you are. He's very bossy, and he wouldn't let me be regressed to any of the past lives I've shared with him in 17, I was 17 different people at various times, and shared lives with Thomas, but Thomas said I could get to meet all those people after I've passed. I've been male in all of them, unfortunately. I guess I would love to have been female in some of them, But Peter Wright is a very good past life regression therapist. If people have issues that were caused in a past or future life, he can usually help you cure those problems in one two-hour session. Quite remarkable. And he's also a delightful guy, as you'll see if you can join us next week. We have a lot of fun whenever he's here, so please do join us. This week, we've been talking with Mark Ireland. He's been with us for the second time, but not for the last. He'll be with us again in a few weeks to talk about his wonderful book, which is The Persistence of the Soul. I've just started to read it, but he has many of the same views I do about a lot of things, including consciousness. You're going to enjoy the next time he's here, I think. Mark is co-founder... Oh, my goodness. I think my cold is coming back. Sorry. He's co-founder of the wonderful Helping Parents Heal, which helps so many parents who've lost a child temporarily. And there are now twenty-six thousand members. I remember when they were just getting started. And what they do is to help people using a lot of different methods to cope with first with the loss of a child and then help them to go through the grieving process. They do Every second year, they do a wonderful, now it's going to be a thousand members. Wow, when they meet this year, look into them if you know someone or if you yourself have lost a child, because they really do empower people to go through the grieving process and then to move on with their life in this life while their children grow up there and they go for moving towards such a wonderful reunion when everyone gets to meet on that distant shore. We're going to have Mark back again soon because I thought, frankly, that he was wonderful this week. And now, of course, it's time once again to mention that Seek Reality Online is your one-stop resource for everything after life. Just go to SeekReality.com and start to learn for yourself that your own reality truly is eternal. TeachingsByJesus.com also is your single resource for all the beautiful divine truths that are brought to us now in perfect love by the greatest teacher of all, Pastor Jesus. Now it really is his turn. As the religion that he didn't found finally dies, Jesus is at last able to teach you what is in the Bible, but that the religion does not teach you. Jesus' truths are the true divine truths. And he can finally at last help you to help them to come alive in your life and in the lives of all the people you love. Now, I think you know what my books are by now, so I won't recite them again, but except to tell you that the most recent book is The Fun of Growing Forever. I'm so sorry. I think I'm losing my voice for real this time. The Fun of Growing Forever um, and then finally, the fun of I'm <clears throat> sorry, I really can't do this. The fun of loving Jesus, embracing the Christianity that Jesus taught, he actually did come to teach us something entirely different from the religion that bears his name, and that is the what's what he called the way. The way is now, I think, about to dawn on in the world, and it is quite a wonderful way of living which we are about to begin to teach people using the fun of loving Jesus, embracing the Christianity that Jesus taught. If you'd like the book and if you can't afford to buy it, I'm happy to send it to you for free. Just let me know. You can order all these books through bookstores or on Amazon or Barnes and Noble or wherever books are sold. And all the adult books except the last are also available as audio If you want to talk to me about anything, of course you can always just go to the green contact block on robertagrimes.com and just email me. Only be sure to give me your email address correctly or my emails bounce and that makes me sad. I'll get through this. All the more than 500 past episodes of Seek Reality are available wherever audio podcasts can be found. And you can listen to new audio episodes each week with the Seek Reality app that you can find wherever apps are found. You also can see new video episodes each week on Roku or Firestick, YouTube, and elsewhere. Meanwhile, this has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Please enjoy. Please make the most of the coming week in our one reality, always knowing that you are a powerful, eternal being, and you, most of all, in this entire universe. You, please understand and believe, my darling friend. You, most of all, are perfectly, eternally, Wonderfully loved. You've been listening to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Roberta blogs and answers questions at RobertaGrimes.com.
0: Join us every week as we explore what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about the one reality we all share. Knowing the truth
1: changes everything.